It's Dr. Stu's Podcast at drstuespodcast.com. Yes, yes, yes. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen right here off the website. Make sure you go to Facebook and like Dr. Stu's Facebook page. Got that great Facebook page for 2015. Long time no see, my friend, Dr. Stu. Well, I've heard you a lot on the radio, Brian, but you're right. We've taken a little hiatus here. And it's, I've gone through withdrawal a little bit, so I'm very happy to be back. I'm very excited. I'm probably going to stutter. And uh, as I pick the uh, fast food out of my teeth that, we, <laughs> that you and I just uh, yeah, I wanted to gobbled down. Well, I went to McDonald's, and I thought, you know what, uh, Dr. Stu, what's it going to be? A quarter pounder with cheese. You, you do the cheese there. I, I do. And the onions, too. Right. They, that's what I love about McDonald's, the sliced up, chopped, diced little onions, or in the quarter pounder, is it a round circle? Brian, Brian, is there anything about McDonald's that you do not like? Well, I have preferences. I prefer <laughs> the sliced and diced, really small size onions as opposed to the... Oh, yeah, with the big loop onions. that fall, like They loop. fall on your tie, and they get, they get ketchup on your tie. Is that what you... These eat? little ones, they, they don't. They stay in the burger. Yeah, the little ones are the best, I think. Very and important. You and I were talking uh, just before we started the podcast. Number 70, by the way. Dr. Stu's podcast number 70, 70. That's a milestone. We were talking about how there must be not just McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, In-N-Out. The list goes on. There must be something inside this stuff. That we don't know about that makes us keep coming back, knowing full well how terrible it is for us. There has to be. There, there has to be because you, you get cravings. I mean, you, you crave – if people who like McDonald's crave McDonald's french fries. People who like In-N-Out Burger crave In-N-Out Burger. People who like Coke crave it over Pepsi. There's something in our genetics or our taste buds or something they're putting in these things – that keeps drawing us back. Now, by the way, when you uh, work with the babies, of course, Dr. Stu, uh, the home birthing, we'll talk about home birthing uh, in a short bit. And uh, you see a, you see a lot of, uh, we've talked about how you'll deliver a baby and then it's like, you know, fast forward 20 years later, you're in a mall and you'll see the mom or the dad and you'll meet the child, now an adult that you <laughs> delivered two decades before. So when you care about young people and when you're advising parents, I know you're not a pediatrician, but when you're advising parents who are caring for their kids, it can become unhealthy to sort of go to McDonald's every day with the busy lifestyle that we have. But once a week is okay, right? I remember my mom and dad, when my brother Barry and I were kids, on a Friday night, my dad had come through the door and he'd, said, he'd say, we're going to Burger King. Stu, we celebrated it. We were so excited. I remember it now. That's how excited we were. But I guess you can overdo it. Well, Brian, what I, you, know, you know I'm an advocate for informed consent. <laughs> okay, so right. I think people need to know that it's probably not very good for you. But either is uh, ice cream, either is too much wine, either is... But you know what? If you do things in moderation, it's fine. It's the people who go crazy with it, who eat it all the time, who supersize it, that sort of thing. That, that's where it gets crazy. I would never begin to tell a family member or a friend or a former client you know, how they should feed their children. That's certainly not anything that you or I should stick our noses into. It's interesting, I, it's I, interesting to me. I would think as a doctor, it would be your business. No, no. It's my business to discuss what good nutrition is. It's not my business to, you know, I, it's my business to lead people to water, but not to ma- necessarily make them drink. I still remember a conversation I had with a very old girlfriend of mine many years ago. We went out to dinner, and it was probably one of the reasons we didn't uh, last very long as boyfriend-girlfriend. Um, we were having dinner at a nice, re- a nice restaurant, and we were talking about having children. What kind of food was it? Do you remember, like Italian food? It was in Brentwood, oh. and it was, oh, God, it, um, no, I don't remember the name of the restaurant. Fancy enough, though. You're in Brentwood yeah, already. Yeah, maybe right. it was the farm. Is there a farm in Brentwood? Yeah, I think there is. Yeah, maybe it was. If it was still there, it might have been something else back then because we're talking a long time ago. Anyway, we were talking about children and raising children, and she had a couple children, and I had a couple children from previous relationships. And she said that she would never, ever 
give her kid McDonald's. She would never take her kid to McDonald's, would never do such a thing. And I, and I started laughing at her, and I said, <laughs> I said, it's easy for you to say that, but, God, when the kids are screaming in the back seat and you only got 10 minutes before the next uh, uh, soccer, game. soccer game or lesson or something like that, don't tell me that, you know, you know, no, I'll never do it, I'll never do it. And I saw her a few years later, and she, she said, yeah, yeah, she gave in. <laughs> but isn't it funny that that's what you remember? Now, how, uh, how old was she when she was – she had no children when she said this, right? How reality sets in and changes people. Was she in her 20s or 30s when she was saying all of this? Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. Interesting. From the outside looking in, parenting to those of me, right? Not a dad. It, it doesn't look easy, but I really have a lot of opinions about how people should raise their kids. We saw the uh, hubbub over Sarah Palin taking a selfie photograph of her kids standing on the back of the dog. The dog was trying to reach the countertop in the kitchen. And uh, PETA and people like me went crazy because you don't treat animals like that. You don't stand on top of animals. But in the heat of the moment when it's happening, or you're right, when the kids... <laughs> I don't know how, how you got Sarah Palin into this conversation. Oh, I, I can do it. No <laughs> you have Sarah Palin, Palin fixation. Yeah, yeah. No, but, no, but it's because those of us who aren't parents, you know, we, don't, we just don't understand. You know, you make the point. When the kid's screaming and it's 10 minutes to the next soccer game, you're going to swing through the arches because the kid's starving and you need something to eat. And the kids want it because even if you don't feed it to them, all their friends' moms and dads have fed it to them or they know about it. So they, they want it. Listen, I mean, obviously, it's a great business model. Look at how successful it's been. Yeah, it seems to have worked, right? Yeah, there's like 100 trillion billion served by now. Yeah, that's exactly right. About I, half it, of them have been you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, no pun intended. No, you and, I, but, you and I keep, yeah. I don't like to eat fast food, but the problem is I'm on the go so much. I love it. Well, I, I sent So a, I try to go with the chicken. I really do. Today, I had the quarter pounder because it was you, but <laughs> but normally, I would go with the chicken. I would either go with the uh, grilled how, chicken. I love how you always tell or me. Or the chicken legs at like El Pollo Loco. They're, they're pretty good. I tell the audience see how i get blamed here's what happened right before dr Stu's podcast number 70 i text dr Stu, who's at the studio i said i'm right down the street and he said oh i'm picking up a snack and i said oh no problem i'm in a drive-thru he writes back oh which, which one, one? <laughs> so i said i know where this is going so i write back i'm at mcdonald's what do you want you know and that suddenly because it's me and he says a quarter pounder i said with cheese or without i was only the messenger he said oh no with cheese but suddenly when we get on the show this becomes my fault oh because of you brian i got the quarter pounder with cheese i believe i've got the test hi- history it's hey, very clear listen, you if you had told the me cheese. you were going through the drive through i would have settled for my diet coke and doritos which is actually not much better <laughs> yeah not much better but no the mcdonald's seems to hit the spot every single day well this it's is good to see you again brian it's great to see you dr stu it's tough when we have these gaps in our schedule is it hard on you is it emotionally and not seeing brian is a difficult thing sometimes? well i love doing the podcast i do and too. i love talking about topics that are timely uh on the subjects that obviously i know best because it's it's there's so much fodder out there uh there's so much so many things that we have to talk about yep so many things that are going on so many articles pro con uh hard to hard to know we've talked before about the corruption of science and, and how ideology and economics influence scientific research papers and stuff so you see stuff in the headlines that tell you that this is good or this is bad and you, and it's really hard for the average consumer to know what to believe so you know i like to get my two cents worth i think i get in a lot of people who told me that they like hearing my two cents worth. No, we do. We, and then we, they can decide to do with it as they choose. Well, you know, it's uh, with you, it's, uh, you know, we'll take uh, five cents or ten cents. I mean, you have a lot of information. And here's, here's something that's important, I think, to mention. And Dr. Stu, you just alluded to it. You said, you know, you see a headline and it is not conclusive or it gives you the wrong impression. Growing up, I always thought, okay, uh, you know, they tell you in school, don't read the headline. Read the whole article on medical issues, on home birthing stories, for example, as we'll talk about. 
uh, I have found you can read the headline and you could read the whole darn story and still feel like maybe you didn't get the whole truth. Well, headlines are horrible. There was, I mean, a perfect example this week on Facebook, somebody posted a story about a woman who assisted her uh, own cesarean section by pulling out her own kids. Um, The headline of the story from Australia says, Mom performs own cesarean or something of that nature, which has nothing to do with it. She didn't perform her own cesarean. All she did is when the babies were being pulled out, she was able to reach down with her hands and gloves on them and pull her own babies onto her chest as opposed to having the surgeon do it. But she didn't do her own C-section. And if you just read the headline, you think, wow, she did her own C-section. That's really cool. As a matter of fact, if you look at the comments that follow... Some people were not clear on that, and they had, it had to be clarified further on by the person who posted the post. Was she alone, by the way? In well, the, was she alone? Was, uh, was, was, well, no, no. the surgeons were. Oh, I mean, really? The OR, okay. yeah, no, so no. then why would she do that? I mean, that's kind of an odd thing, right? I mean, if you're not alone and you've got a medical team or a surgeon. No, or, no, because, because uh, initial contact with the mother, and it's, it's a way of, I, you know, I like the idea. I don't think it's going to happen too fast in America. I think the American hospital risk managers are not going to be allowing that sort of thing, but... It would be nice because it, what it does is the mom pulls the baby out, immediately connects with the baby. Baby can come right up to her face. She can, she can bond with the baby, sniff the baby, uh, let the baby be exposed to her skin bacteria right initially uh, and still keep the field relatively sterile, enough for surgery to keep the bottom part sterile so that it is good for the baby and it's good for the mother. And it, it helps with that you know, separation that happens in many uh, operating rooms where the baby cord is cut, the baby's handed, oh, here's your baby mom, and then they hand it to the nurse, yeah, takes right. it over to the warmer, right. and then they monkey with it for five minutes before they eventually give it to mom. We're, they're starting to understand the value of skin-to-skin, the value of being exposed to mom's bacteria, uh, the value of bonding. The, 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 uh, sniffing the baby helps release oxytocin, mm. which helps with the love. It's a love hormone. It's the connecting hormone. It's also the lactating hormone. All these things are probably going to be improved. It's going to take a long time to prove that sort of thing. But common sense is often right, most often right, and this dictates common sense. And it's not compromising the sterile field, and therefore it seems like a really good idea. Dr. Stu, question. Uh, You talk about skin-to-skin contact, you know, mom and the new baby we've had. We've talked about the importance of that before, but but I've never asked you. In your view, uh, when you're catching a baby, a baby's coming into the world, how long is too long? Uh, I mean, you know, obviously, (laughs) no, no, seriously, common sense would be as soon as possible, skin-to-skin mom should hold her baby. But how long is too long? If baby's taken away for five minutes, and there's no skin to skin. That's too long. Is a minute too long? I no. Mean, well, it, it's, you understand it's, the question. Yes, don't you? I do understand the question. And but the answer is more complex than that. There is no reason in nature for the mother and baby to ever be separated. All right. Other mammals are never separated from their babies. No one takes the baby horse, the baby deer, the baby muskrat, whatever, away from the mother. It's always with the mother. And the mother, instead of uh, you know, what they do is they bond with the baby by licking the baby and cleaning the baby and sniffing the baby. And that sort of probably helps with the delivery of the placenta because it releases oxytocin. And that it's all nature does that way. As far as when is it okay to take the baby away? Well, sure, dad gets to hold the baby and stuff like that. And that's fine. But there is no reason for the, the medical personnel to stick their nose in any of this stuff. Babies don't need a bath. They don't need to be examined right away. They don't need any shots right away. They're generally capable of clearing their own mucus if you leave them alone. Babies that are in trouble should be dealt with, but even those babies that are in trouble, the trend now is to deal with them on the mother's chest. 
And unless the baby needs something major like CPR or IVs or whatever else to take the baby over to a warmer, there's no reason why resuscitation of a baby can't take place on top of the mother. And while the baby is connected to the only person it's ever known. And plus, that allows the cord to stay connected, which, Mm. of course, we know, even if the baby's having a little hard time, if the cord is still pulsating, the the mom is still exchanging oxygen and nutrients with the baby, even though the baby may still have a, be having a little hard time breathing. It's interesting, though. At what point, and I, and I guess that determination is made in the moment, whether it's Doctor Stu or uh, whomever is involved. At what point does it become for mom? You know, if these uh, call them minor, some of them don't sound very minor. If these procedures are happening while the baby's lying on mom's chest, at what point does it become almost traumatic for mom to have this happening, like literally right on top of? Well, her? I would give moms credit to tell us if they if they need a break. Uh, generally, that's what happens is, you know, mom will say, you know, honey, you take the baby for a second. Uh, I just need to catch my breath or I need to go pee or I, Whatever. I, I just need a moment. And again, when, when babies are born, if you watch in general, and again, of course, nothing is always, but in general... There's a there's a pause in the mother. There there's there, there's just a sort of a a moment where she comes back into her body because she's just been working really hard, and and you can see that happen. Sometimes moms will just will not want to grab their baby right away. They'll not want to pull their own baby out. They'll take they'll need a moment, and you can just tell from experience by looking at them, and then suddenly their eyes roll back into their in their head and they look normal again, and they and then they wonder where's my baby? I want my baby. That sort of thing, and you can just see it, and so you 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 accommodate the woman by paying attention to what she needs and what she's doing. And that just comes from experience. And that's certainly not something that I learned as a resident or as a practicing attending physician. I learned that from my years of watching midwives do what the midwives do. Yeah, probably something you could never be taught anyway. Uh, do you ever see, uh, I, love, I love having conversations with you that, that, and I don't know where they're going to go. Do you ever have, uh, do you ever observe uh, when the baby's born, before mom holds her baby or takes the baby, do you ever observe what you might describe as almost fear, that mom uh, for a moment is afraid, uh, whether it's the responsibility, overwhelmed is probably another way to put it. But is there ever that fear? Oh, my gosh. What if I, see, here's what I would think. Seriously, right? I, I'm not, I'm not going to give birth to a baby. I would be afraid. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm being honest. Yeah, I know. My gosh, I'll break it. You know, I'll do something wrong. I'll hold her wrong. I'll hold him wrong. I'll, I'll screw this up. Anxiety, fear, th- these would not be uncommon or atypical emotions uh, at time of delivery, or are they? No. They're, They're very not. common, but, but they often are related to the type of personality that the woman has. If, if a woman is calm and has a very soft demeanor or is, is this is her second or third baby, uh, she's not going to have that problem. Women who are OCD, women who are uh, nervous, women who haven't experienced childbirth before, uh, women who have a lot of anxieties, those sorts of women may have that. But the beauty, again, and you can't, you can't know exactly what's going to happen at birth, but the beauty of the midwifery model and, the, and prenatal care is that these things can be discussed and described many times during prenatal classes and prenatal visits so that you can prepare them. You also prepare their, their partner for how it's going to go. And then... Then you deal with it at a time. If they're not ready, then you talk them down. And usually because of the relationship you have in the room at the time of the birth, at the, in the home birth, um, they're, they're very trusting at that point, and they're going to listen. But th- there is that anxiety, and certainly many women are scared that they don't know how to hold the baby, and so they need immediately help with breastfeeding. And, mm. and we just remind them that baby, babies just came through a tough passage. They're not going to break. 
They don't. They don't. They don't uh, fall off. The, they're not going to fall off the table, right. or onto the floor, or anything like that. They're, they're, uh, your instincts will take over. They just do. You have to end up trusting them, and that's not easy for some people. But I'll tell you, the transition is pretty quick. Even in those anxious people, suddenly they're the most powerful people you've ever seen. This is Dr. Stu's podcast number 70 coming to you from the seldom used Studio D at <laughs> CRN. That's where we are. Uh, at our, it's our new, new digs. Our new digs here, the cable radio network. And we've got uh, Paul's here. Paul Stern happens to be hanging around making sure nothing gets broken and we don't screw anything up. Speaking of being Welcome, Paul. An- anxious, there's Paul. He's a good guy. Paul, you, you're not a dad, are you? No, you don't, you're not a dad. No. Have no. not had children. No. No. <laughs> Said definitively, by the way. No, I have not. No, I have not. Uh, uh, you know what? Brian, it's interesting. None of our producers have ever had children. Yeah, so none what of is, the, the, What is that? Uh, I, well, I, well, you've made is it up radio. For, <laughs> is it, is it, oh, I think it might be radio. I often wonder if um, I, I think about myself. It's uh, chicken and egg. Do crazy people get attracted to radio, or does radio make people crazy? I don't know if crazy comes first and radio comes second, or radio comes first and crazy comes second. But uh, I speak for myself. Wow, there's a lot of crazy people in radio. So yeah, that, that's yeah. That's, well, yeah. it's a good way to you, get, you guys can express yourselves on radio, so. and, and and you can do it behind uh, an anonymity <laughs> of of just sound. There's no you know nobody no one can know sees you doing what you're doing. So. I was in the radio station once. This is back in that's New York. why I like it. Yeah, so much. it's convenient, uh, it's, right? But you're dressed. You got a tie on. You're a doctor. I mean, you're doctors too. I <laughs> well, was working. I, I, I had to work. Uh, right, a, a real job. I was at WABC where I did a talk show, and I got into the elevator at Two Penn Plaza, which is the big building above Madison Square Garden, where the Rangers play hockey and the Knicks play basketball. You mean the Stanley Cup losing? Oh, uh, ouch. New York Rangers. Yeah, that would be those. Those are the guys you were talking about. The yeah. same guys. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we ever have a podcast where I don't get something about the Los Angeles Kings. In it yeah, all. your Kings are. We're, doing we're struggling this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, but you'll be. Struggling. It's early. Mid season. Right? We're mid season right now. Mid-season. All star break. Wow. So I get on the elevator and I'm dressed. Uh, you know, not you know. Now I got a collared shirt on. I mean, it's sweatpants and a t-shirt and a guy dressed like Doctor Stu. You know, nice looking guy, shirt on and a tie. He gets in the elevator. And he looks at me. I mean, really, up and down, full judgment from the feet up, to, looks at me with this real smug look. And he says to me, no, I just got on the 17th floor. That's where WABC is. He knows that's the radio station. And he says to me, oh, you dressed up today, huh? I mean, real sarcastic. I said, pal, just like this. I said, pal, I got in radio, so I don't have to dress like you're dressed right now. Right. And he said, yeah, he says, pretty nice, isn't it? I said, it's the best. Yeah. And uh, we became elevator pals after that. You know, you see people <laughs> in the elevator every once in a while. You were mentioning here, Dr. Stu, and it is timely. I want to make mention because you were talking about, uh, you know, new baby comes into the world. You said baby doesn't need shots right away. We all understand that. All of that happens in time. But we have here in Southern California, wherever you're hearing Dr. Stu's podcast in other countries, we've got folks listening in Europe. We've got folks all over the United States. Uh, we do come to you from Southern California, from Los Los Angeles, that's where Dr. Stuart Fishbein and yours truly, Brian Whitman, do the program from. And here in Orange County, in Anaheim, at Disneyland, they think Disneyland might have been sort of, uh, I don't want to say ground zero, but there's an outbreak <laughs> of the measles. No, there's a measles. Have you seen this on the news? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, see, yeah. now, always guys with the, yeah, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, dozens of cases, confirmed cases of people in Southern California with the measles. A lot of them trace back to having visited uh, the happiest place on earth, uh, Disneyland. It's, of course, not Disney's fault. It's, you know, it's a biology, right? But and you tell that to the trial lawyers who yeah, come, come after <laughs> Disneyland. You right? notice how careful I'm being, right? right. So, so I, so, um, uh, the pro-vaccination people are coming out and going, yep, see, see, this is the problem. you got these crazy people who don't get the vaccinations. Uh, and there is a crowd, of course, that is very anti-vaccine. What do you make of the outbreak of measles? By the way, should I be using the term outbreak? 
Well, yeah, it depends how you define outbreak. I mean, it's it, dozens it, of I, cases. Is that is an that outbreak? an outbreak or is is two? I'll ask you. You're the doctor. Is that? I mean, you know, I would say an epidemic is is dozens and dozens of cases. An outbreak it could be one or two cases. Okay. I mean, we had a, didn't we have an Ebola outbreak? And there were like what, a couple cases in the United States, right. none of which were acquired in the United States. Right. Okay. Even though this is my specialty, you know, I have an opinion on it. I know so you do. I'm, right? I'm going to I'm going to give you my opinion. Here's the deal. Um, when I was growing up, all right, people got the measles, people got the mumps, people got chicken pox. Matter of fact, when somebody got chicken pox, we all went over to their house to play, so we'd all get chicken pox uh, and get it out of the way. And, you know, yeah, there were probably people that got really sick from it, but generally children uh, deal with these things pretty well. They don't get too sick. It's adults that have problems. So um, we didn't think it was a big deal. And, and then they came with all these vaccines, and now we're vaccinating everybody. And we may be doing people a favor in the short term, but are we doing the species a favor in the long term is a question that I always sort of think of both short term and long term. You know, we're affecting our immune systems in some way by vaccinating us against everything and not exposing us to anything. And maybe in the long run, it may not be a good thing for society to not get some of these minor diseases. But it's certainly not a good thing for 30 people to have the measles either. Well, it used to be normal. It's not normal now. It makes the news because everybody, people have been vaccinated. But what I heard, and again, I, I've only got third-hand or fourth-hand knowledge of this, but I heard that some of the people that got measles had had been vaccinated. Some were people who avoided vaccines, and some were people who probably came from third-world countries who you know, weren't vaccinated. So I don't know how you're going to ever correct that part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So the question I would have is, where did the first case come from? Who got the measles? Where did it come from? I'm, I'm always curious about that. It's such a throwback thing. You, the measles, my gosh, you know, you go, wow, it's the last, you know. So I have to think that if no one, if everybody's been vaccinated in the United States and people haven't been vaccinated, measles just isn't sitting around on a cherry tree to pluck, you know, pluck off a measles and suddenly you get measles. It had to come from somewhere. So are there other countries in the world that have endemic measles? I don't know. But maybe that's where it came from. And maybe we need to be a little bit more careful on that. I am not against vaccinations, and I think that people that are wholly against them are probably not being reasonable, because I think things like a tetanus shot, if you get step on a rusty nail, is important. And I think that getting vaccinated for measles, mumps, or uh, diphtheria, or whooping cough makes sense, but I don't think you need to get them all at once. And I certainly don't think you need to get vaccinated when you're a newborn baby for hepatitis. I think that's ridiculous. They give babies first day of life, second day of life, the first shot of a, of a hepatitis. Where are they going to get hepatitis from? Their parents have been screened for that. So I think that there's the, the pendulum swings widely on both sides. And I think there are radicals on both sides. So I, the list of vaccinations is too long, and if administered, you think, should be staggered? Yeah, they need to stagger them out, and people should be able to pick and choose who they, what, they, what they want and what they don't want. And I, I think it's wrong to coerce people or to send people home or to do this or that and the other thing because they didn't get vaccinated. Uh, you know, I mean, we grew up in an era where no one got vaccinated. I mean, there was tetanus when I, when I grew up. And I right. think there was polio. Right. And I think uh, that was about it, maybe. And then they didn't have mumps. I know that. And they didn't have chicken pox. I know that. I and can't remember. We got. I think they might have had rubella, which is German measles. Okay. I think we might have had that. I had the chicken pox. I can't remember a kid. Uh, when I was a kid, I don't remember the measles on Staten Island. I don't remember. What does a patient present with who has the measles? What is it? There's a fever, obviously, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a rash and fever. It's and a rash. And a, okay, dermatologist and that, or a family practitioner or a pediatrician look at it and go, 
that's probably the measles. And then I, maybe they confirm it with a blood test. Yeah, but a, t- you know, a, a top network story here. I wouldn't know it if it, I saw it. Right, I wouldn't I mean, be able to differentiate it from any of the other poxy uh, uh, rashes that kids get. Because we have here in Southern California, you know, Disneyland adds an element to the story. You know, dozens of cases of the measles and people are stopping and going, oh, wow, you know, that's uh, interesting and, and taking note of that. Uh, well, let, me, let me say one more thing. Sure, sure. Were there, were there really dozens of cases? Uh, something like 29 or 30. Okay. 30 cases. How many people go to Disneyland on a given day? Right. Uh, obviously tens of thousands. Right. And how many days over what period of time are we talking about? Uh, seems a week? Pre- uh, seems pretty recent, I, I guess. Right? All right. So that's like a million people in a week, right? About 100,000 people a day go to Disneyland? That's probably right. Okay. So a million people a week and we got 29 cases. Right. That's not an epidemic. That, you know, that's a, that's a not even a ditzel on a graph. Is that the media having fun at the expense of our nerves? Well, yeah, and, it's and, like the listeria outbreak where where two people get listeria down in San Diego someplace, and they get a or the mad cow disease where they make big deal about it, and no, not a single person ever got mad cow disease or Ebola or Ebola, where nobody has got Ebola in the United States from anybody in the United States. All right, they make they make crises. You know this. We've talked about this before. No sure. crisis. You know, a, a good crisis. What is, how, what is the no crisis goes to, goes to waste, right? It, it's never good to waste. <laughs> right. no, no, you don't want to ever waste a good crisis, right? Or something. something like that. Well, we're, we're screwing up on our quoting. Uh, Robert no, but Daniel, it gets. But. Hey, look, it gets people. You know, I know this. Uh, whether it be the radio or uh, our colleagues or a television, uh, you get people to tune in. You get people to pay attention. You know, my favorite one, of course, is uh, this is made up. But you know, when you turn on the TV and they say something in your refrigerator can kill you at five. You know, of course you're going to watch that at five o'clock. Yeah. Something in my fridge is going to kill me. You know, make sure turn on the DVR. No, I Brian, I, I have never. I've, I'm in the healthcare profession for 35 years. I've never had a flu shot, and I don't get sick very often. And maybe I don't get sick very often because I had lots of flus when I was a kid growing up, and I got exposed to these things, and I didn't get vaccinated against them and so maybe it helps my immune system. I don't know. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm just saying it's hard to know, but I think there are people that would argue that we don't want to use too much Purell. We don't want to use too many vaccines. I mean, we, we want to expose our kids. Kids that are exposed to dirt, playing in the dirt, pets, uh, those kids are healthier adults on average than mm-hmm. kids that grow, say, on the Upper West Side of Manhattan who have a maid and everything is Purell and everything is washed every day. Moist towelettes coming out there. Was yeah, it? I mean, there's stuff coming out now that you're not supposed to wash your, take a shower every day. And I don't know if this is the I've heard that. conservative, I mean, the water conservation people, or if it's if it's actually true that it's bad for your skin and your aging to get to use too much uh, shampoo or... Too many of those uh, soap chemicals and everything. Right? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's we wash too much, probably. Uh, yeah, my dad used to say to us when we were kids, go get dirty. Yeah. yeah, go on the house, go play. I didn't know what the, I said. What do you? Can you be more specific? I don't think he knew why he was saying that, but <laughs> but they just wanted you out of the house. Yeah, but. he wanted me to go do something. Right, and so you know the way things have changed. He'd say, Brian, go ride your bike, and I would say to him at ten years old, where? And he'd say, you'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and now, it, uh, there was the a transition lot of, to helicopter parenting. Wow, have we turned around? Yeah. Well, I, I again, so getting back to the measles thing, I I think that it it, it is hyperbole. To then, so, you know, it's like when somebody gets shot with a gun, okay, from a crazy person. The the gun control people come out crazily. I I, I don't think that that this is the whole lot different than this isn't going to change people's minds of vaccines. I don't want government stepping in and mandating 
that every kid get vaccinated because you're going to have people going underground then. I don't get the flu you're shot, have, but the next thing is the government telling people to get flu shots. I'm out and about all the well, time. Employers tell their employees to get flu shots. Uh, you can't work shot. at certain hospitals unless you get, the if flu you get shot. a flu shot. But then at the same time, Dr. Stu, I feel vulnerable. I'll be, where was I? Was I at a CVS or was it at a Ralph's Market? I felt so vulnerable because everybody is sniffling. Everybody's doing, the, you know, everybody's, you know, sneezing. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Michael Jackson, the late Michael Jackson. And when he wore that surgical mask out and about, he was right to keep all those germs away from he was, him. He's crazy. I get scared to death with everybody sneezing Brian, around. Brian, I know you better than that. You, you don't. You, you're probably not scared to death. Well, I'm all not right? scared to death, but it's. But you know, you sta- I'm standing in a checkout line at the supermarket, and everybody's sneezing. I'm going, oh my god! That's I- been going on since the dawn of time. I know. But we, nobody has bubonic plague. All right, it, it's not. It's not going. It, you know, it, that doesn't happen. That's why we say God bless you, by the way. We think, I think we talked about this once on the podcast. Yeah, re- refresh me. We say God bless you because we think... Uh, Apparently, when people were used to sneeze at the time of bubonic plague, they knew that you were going to die, and so they said God bless you. I thought That's it, one of the things I heard. I thought it was because, seriously, no joke, that when you sneeze, the heart stops for a moment, or the heart skips a beat when you sneeze, and that's why we say God bless you. Oh, I didn't know that. So, you know what? Somebody will email. <laughs> the email address is uh, askdrstew at gmail.com, askdrstew at gmail.com. Remind Dr. Stu to check. Yeah, and then send him an email to remind him to check his email. Go to the Facebook page and like the Dr. Stu official Facebook page and remind him on his Facebook page to check his email. Yes. Okay. Uh, Or they could get me through birthinginstincts.com at the the email address there as well. And want to do here, just in a moment, we'll get to in a moment, a a quick review of 2014 and how the year was since this is our first uh, uh, podcast of 2015 we've got coming up. We'll we'll look at the year going back. I thought of you, I was watching TV, well, two reasons. Uh, I'll tell you the one you won't like, it's easier first. My co-host, Alicia Krause, who I work with uh, here on KRLA, The Morning Answer in Los Angeles. I've had the good fortune to meet her. She's been on the podcast. There is an AARP, sorry, there's an AARP commercial, and there's a guy driving a car, and I guess he's with his wife, and they're talking about, I think, the AARP. And she drew my attention to it. We're there doing the morning radio show. We have TV screens with the volume down because we're on the radio. And she points. She wildly points at it. And then we go to the commercial. I said, why are you pointing? She goes, that guy, the guy driving the car in the AARP commercial. Didn't that look like Dr. Stu? <laughs> it wouldn't be me. I'm not, a big, I'm not a big fan of the AARP. Yeah, that's what I said to her. But it does look like you. I'll have you yeah. know. So. I, I saw a commercial recently with AARP. I can't, you know, this is my memory goes, gets shot to hell. But they, they were promoting something that didn't seem like the AARP should be involved in. But they were doing something else. Oh, that seemed out of their sort of purview? Yeah. Right. Yeah, they were going branching off, obviously. Well, don't they have to to stay in business? I mean, really, if you're the AARP, don't you have to have, you have to keep, of course, stimulating people to be members and to stay members. Right. 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 So you're in business. You're in the marketing business. Yeah, I just wish that they were. As, uh, I just wish that they were uh, as upfront about their positions politically as they are about some of the good things that they can do for you. Are they more? Uh, are they advocates well, they for were more than they? Strong tell- advocates of Obamacare, which you know I'm not a big fan of, and and part of the reason they were strong advocates of Obamacare is because they got a monopoly, uh, on, or they got uh, the ability to sell policies to the to people to to older people. And they were able to do that. And they, there was some financial gain for them. There's always, there's, you know, again, we talk about this. There's all, you always have to look. You said read later in the article. And we're going full circle here. Don't just read the headline. Go look down in the article. Look through it. And try to figure out sort of why are these people promoting this? This seems unusual. Why would uh, people who have Medicare, why would the organization that represents people who have Medicare want to promote something mm-hmm. that 
is going to be getting rid of Medicare Part B and changing things that seem to be working for 90% of people over over 50 or whatever it is. One of the uh, one of the components of Obamacare that we talked about recently on my radio show, I thought of you, Dr. Stu, because we do Obamacare updates, right, when something becomes sort of noteworthy. Now, at the end of the year, of course, being in January, and uh, people are beginning to prepare their taxes or at least get on the phone. If you have an accountant and make an appointment getting ready for April 15th, we're finding out that the penalty that people are paying for not having insurance because of Obamacare, that penalty can be a lot more than people thought it was going to be. Oh, I, yeah, I haven't paid attention to that so much. I've just been watching my uh, my own private insurance premiums skyrocket. <laughs> Are you? Uh, do you find that? Uh, obviously, my daughter's premiums going up twenty four percent this year. For what she, reason? For years, why? For she's what? eighteen years old, and her premiums going up twenty four percent. And why do they say when they when when your premium goes up twenty four percent? Is there a note in there to say why it's going up twenty four percent, or is it just high Happy New no, Year? They, we they, like another twenty four uh, cents for every dollar. She's she's with Anthem Blue Cross, and and I they, am too. They send in a little letter saying because of this, that, the other thing, which. Of course, it's all bullshit. We know why it's going up. It's because we're so- we're so- soaking the young, healthy people to try to pay for the the older people, which then we'll get then we'll start rationing care because there won't be enough young people in the system, and they'll have to ration care at the end. Well, you know, we'll, listen, uh, let's not get let's not go off on a tangent the last minute or two of this podcast uh, on a negative here. You know, I don't believe that Obamacare is the answer to the problem. I think it's good. It's caused so many more problems. We'll be talking about things later in the year where. We're due for a change in the way coding is done. Another major headache coming up at the end of this year. Hopefully that'll get postponed another year, just like a lot of the Obamacare things have been postponed, the for mandates a, and things. For a layperson who's not in the medical field, when you say coding, what does that refer to? Uh, it just means that every diagnosis you have, every procedure that's done has a code. And in order to get reimbursed for that code, you need to be reimbursed for that procedure or that diagnosis. You need to submit that code either to the government or the insurance company or whoever's, whoever's doing it. And that's how they will reimburse you at certain rates depending on the code. But ultimately, all that is for is for tracking. It's for bean counting. It's for uh, uh, ultimately figuring out who's an over overutilizer. It's going to be used for punishment. And that information is going to be on the Internet. And we know how secure that is. And I'm, I'm frightened. I mean, just the other day, uh, was it uh, Chick-fil-A got uh, hacked? And I saw nine, that. Yep. 9,000 credit cards got hacked. And before that, it was Target. And, you know, I mean, the government clearly has been hacked. We've seen that. The, they hacked the, um, was it the NSA or they hacked the... Yeah, sure, sure, sure. You no, know this stuff. And, and then we saw the situation with Sony. With Sony, Yeah, right, right of course. So of course. you know that your information isn't necessarily going to be secure. So all these sorts of things are going to take... And I'm not talking about the radicals who live in uh, upper Idaho. They're going to take normal people and turn them into sort of anti-government, getting off the grid sort of things. I mean, people are going to pay cash for stuff because they don't want... The, the coding to go in to know that they got herpes. Yeah, no record. So they're going to tell their doctor, right, yeah. they're going to tell their doctor, I don't want anybody to know I have herpes. How much will it cost me cash to just pay you? And that will be fine. And then the doctor will take the cash and not declare it because he feels like he's getting screwed yeah. by the taxes and all the other stuff that's happening. And and this is what this is how it goes. All right. We are off. 2015 is uh, off to a rip-roaring start here. Uh, we encourage you to send emails, by the way. Dr. Stu answers every single email. Again, that email address, askdrstu at gmail.com. Askdrstu at gmail.com. Go to the website, drstuspodcast.com, drstuspodcast.com. And, of course, Facebook. Like his page on Facebook for Dr. Stuart Fishbein from the rarely used, seldom used Studio D. 
here at the CRN <laughs> Digital Talk Network. It's Dr. Stu's podcast number 70. Be sure to join us next time for my friend, Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Brian Whitman. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>